Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work. Welcome to Engage for Success Radio show number 507, The Vulnerability of Leaders. Talking about the importance of leaders showing vulnerability. It's your host for today. I'm an engagement consultant working within the Engage Success core team. This movement is an inclusive movement committed to the idea that there is a better way to work by releasing more of the capability and potential of people at work. Heard about employee engagement and shine a light on good practice, inspiring people and workplaces to thrive. We supported across the UK involving the public, private and third sectors. Website engagesuccess.org. You can use the link at the bottom of the page to join our newsletter list and all our social media links are there too. Today is Lorna Leeson, who's an executive coach. Welcome, Lorna. Hi, Joe. How are you? Thank you. Great to have you here. So um, let's start by you telling us a little bit about who you are and what you do. So I am, as you have already highlighted, an executive coach. Um, uh, That doesn't mean that I'm one of those very fancy National Express buses. It means that I work with... Uh, in my case, chief executives and their teams, so one-on-one or as a team, to help them work through change in a variety of ways. So that might be they want to change their culture. It might be that they want to change their own team dynamic, or it might be that they're leading an organization through a period of change or transformation, and they want to do that better in a way that truly engages and, um, and inspires their people. And I work with them to help them figure out what that means for them as individuals and as a functional leadership team. Um, this isn't our first time presenting together or talking together on um, in such a way that we did uh, some mm-hmm. lockdown, didn't we, on video with uh, Joe Moffat, who's the other Joe host. So uh been each other a while. <laughs> we have. We have indeed. I had the pleasure of spending lots of time in lockdown with, with um, the Engage for Success team and really thinking about what that time meant for employee engagement. And of course, now we're in the post-pandemic world and lots of shifts have happened. Okay. So did we talk vulnerability then? I can't remember. You said you said in your message to me that it's, uh, it's a thing for you. Uh, you've got to be in your bonnet about it. So I, I imagine it came up. We, we used to laugh, didn't we? We always had a theme. Mine was always with individuals. Did, did vulnerability come out in yours? I, um, without going back and checking all something like 26 episodes of our um, video cast, I, I couldn't tell you how many times I probably did mention vulnerability. It, it is something that I wax lyrical about. I'm really passionate about it as a topic for leaders to explore and understand and practice. And I think it's quite misunderstood. Um, and so we undoubtedly have talked about it before, Joe. So let's start this particular time then by talking a bit about what vulnerability means to you. Well, I think this is really important that we land on a definition of it or a way of thinking about it and understanding it that, um, that is really clear. Because, you know, when you're on LinkedIn and you see people doing those quite emotional, quite personal kind of um, kind of videos or posts and you feel a little bit kind of awkward like you've stepped into a personal moment maybe that's not what I'm talking about here but I think sometimes we think it is I think sometimes we equate vulnerability with um 
uh, oversharing or, or being emotional in public. And it, it can be some of those things, maybe, but that's not what I'm really talking about. Brene Brown, who's researched this significantly, has said uh, she describes vulnerability as the emotion we experience during times of uncertainty, risk and emotional exposure. And if you think about the world of business at the moment, um, then that's really relevant to us. We've got uncertainty, we've got risk, and people are asking for leaders to be more, you hear the word authenticity thrown around a lot. Um, and so, you know, share a little bit more of themselves. That is emotional exposure. Um, I think I'll touch later, I think, on, on kind of the nuances around that. But vulnerability is being okay with exposing chinks in your armor, if you like, um, saying, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, I may have got this wrong. I'm not comfortable. Um, I'm hurting. I'm angry. I'm um, worried. You know, lots of things that you very, very rarely hear leaders say in business. And actually, that it sometimes feels as if you can't say or, or be in business at all. Why is it important that, that show it? Why is it important that people show it? I'm going to go back to Brene Brown. She says, vulnerability is not a weakness. It's our greatest measure of courage. So the first thing that I would say is if you can model it, um, and we talk about this a lot in you hear lots of leadership coaches and executive coaches talk about it, you know, the shadow that you cast. John Amici talks about the long shadow that you cast as, as a leader. Um, and his book, actually, the, um, the Promises of Giants is great on this topic because he talks about the way that the way you behave as an individual human, as a leader, casts a very big shadow around the people that um, interact with you that you probably don't even realize. So your ability to understand and work with and recognize and own your own vulnerabilities sets that um, that uh, capability for other people to also be vulnerable. And if there's one thing that is certain in a time when we have risk, we have uncertainty, it can feel as if organisations in the world are going through lots of big changes, we are all vulnerable. And it actually starts with people at the top to be able to say this, you can't just say everything's fine, everything's going to be fine, don't worry, I'm fine, you should be fine, because that just actually encourages people to suppress their concerns and their worries and their own vulnerabilities. That's the first thing. The second thing is, well, I'll tell you what, let me connect it to the four enablers of, um, of employee engagement, because I think that's a nice way of thinking about it. So if you think about the four enablers and, and the, the elements of vulnerability that become really important in living and enabling those four enablers. So the first um, one that I would think of is employee voice. And how many times have you witnessed um, leaders in an organization approach the results of perhaps an employee survey or focus groups or listening groups with something that feels a little bit like defensiveness or fear or trepidation. It's actually really scary to give employees a voice and it's really scary to listen to their unfettered feedback and to do that whilst feeling the discomfort but not reacting to it. That's vulnerability. Being able to listen to things that you might find uncomfortable and then reflect upon what you might need to do as a result is, is vulnerability. And so employee voice only works when leaders can be vulnerable. So that's the, the first piece around the first enabler. Then if you think about strategic narrative, 
And again, sometimes we misinterpret this. We talk about strategic narrative as being some, you know, we have to have, excuse my French, all of our shit together, right? We've got to be able to tell a really coherent, cohesive story. I've got to have all the answers. Vulnerability actually is a leader acknowledging that they cannot have all the answers. Sometimes the, lead, the role of a leader is to ask important questions, to ask the right questions, to shape the right plan, but they don't have to have all the answers. So a strategic narrative doesn't have to be completely sewn up from every angle. It just has to be a coherent story that people understand and make sense to them. But aware, being aware that you've got the vulnerability of you are not always going to have all the answers and being able to lead people through that ambiguity is such a critical skill, particularly for organizations at the moment where the old strategic narratives of we start here, we end there, it's going to take us 10 years, this is the plan to get there, this is, these are the milestones. That's just not how business works anymore. So to have strategic narrative, you also have to be able to hold vulnerability at the same time. And then if you think about engaging managers, well, how do you know if you're an engaging manager? You take feedback from other people. You want to be, it's like being a performer. So you know, Joe, that I sing. Um, and you've got to pay attention to the audience and you need to be aware if the audience look bored or disengaged, they're not dancing, the dance floor is cleared, you need to do something different. So to be engaging, you've got to be able to observe and react to the feedback of the people that you're leading. Um, the people who determine whether you're an engaging leader are the people that you're leading. And it takes a certain amount of vulnerability to offer yourself up to be judged as engage, engaging or not. And then to do whatever it is that is required to increase that level of engagement as a one-on-one as -on -one leader. And then the fourth one, integrity, walking the walk, as we often call it, that takes a huge amount of self-awareness and self-reflection. And self-reflection is a massive act of vulnerability, acknowledging I'm, I don't know some things that I don't know. There may be some things that I'm doing consciously or unconsciously that are impacting the way I'm perceived around people, being aware of your values and if you're living and breathing those values. All of those things comprise integrity and help you walk the walk. And you have to have the ability to navigate vulnerability to, to do that. Did I answer your question kind of well enough or have I gone off on four separate tangents? Not at all. Knowing as you aren't answering the question, you linked it to the four enablers. What more can I ask? Yeah. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Years ago, we researched around employee engagement from a point of view. And I have always remembered that one of the big things came out what that was that um, – found it difficult to show vulnerability because they were they were looking at that whole you know leading from the front and front mm. and people and piece didn't that if you like and that was one of the sort of issues mm. as part of that research and you mm. can see why can't you yeah a leader would yeah. imagine that that's something we shouldn't be doing Totally. Just said all those positive things. <laughs> so how do, how do we change their view so that? So I th I think right. it's really important. It's really important to to see vulnerability on a on a, a spectrum. You've got a, a a rainbow of colours you can paint with, and you don't have to go out, you know, with all of them, all of the time. So I think, look, just the word vulnerability comes with all sorts of uh, connotations. I worked with um, a colleague once in a very fast-paced um, 
very commercial organization and she turned around to me at one point and said um Lorna I've got some advice to everybody who works in this organization don't show the enemy your ass and by enemy she meant the people you were working with your colleagues your bosses so what she was saying <laughs> is don't ever be vulnerable it was very she was from Stoke so it's a very kind of you know Midlands way of saying you know don't be vulnerable but don't show the enemy your ass is what is what is what is she meant don't don't show a chink in your armor and that is a paradigm of work that we have grown up with for years and years and years um, to the point where it's sort of become self-fulfilling. So it's a belief that some of us hold. We don't even really know that we hold it. You know, this idea that and it can manifest in lots of ways. So it can be, you know, make sure you've got all the answers. And you hear some cliches around it. You know, don't come to me with problems, come to me with solutions. Well, that shuts down vulnerability because how else do you have people coming to say, help, I don't know, I'm not sure, can we talk about this? When you say, don't come to me with problems, come to me with solutions. So lots of these sort of little helpfulisms that we throw around business have undermined vulnerability over the years. And our typical models, I'm going to get slightly feminist now, Joe. if you'll forgive me for doing so. Um, but if you think about our typical model of leadership, it's very patriarchal. It's very patriarchal and it's very attached to a very particular type of, um, of, of being male. So our role models historically have been mainly men, mainly white men. Um, and there's been a kind of a paradigm of what those white male leaders should look like. And if you look back just a, a decade or so to your Alan Sugars and your Alex Ferguson's and your Churchill's, a bit more than a decade or so, but the kinds of leaders that we still talk about as being great leaders, those are people who do not demonstrate or value vulnerability at all. So it completely makes sense that it sounds really counterintuitive. But I've been working with a lot of leaders recently who are hearing feedback um, from their teams that say things like, I'm not sure, I, I'm, how do I know I can trust you? I'm not sure I'm seeing the real you. Um, I really want to know that you understand me and I want to know more about who you are. And when I said earlier on that the pandemic has shifted lots of things, this is one of the things that pandemic has really shifted. Those leaders, and we talked about this a lot in the work we did with um, with Joe Moffat on, on the other podcast was, um, you know, those leaders who were able to be 5% more real, shooting a Facebook live from their kitchen table, being honest about how hard they were finding some of the work in the pandemic. That's vulnerability. And some of those leaders were repaid in spades with trust and commitment and engagement from their, from their teams. So it makes complete sense that you think, there's no way on earth, Lorna, I'm going to do that. I'm not going to share the enemy in my metaphorical ass. I'm just going to button up, stay safe, be impervious, um, have all the answers or at least pretend that I do. And if I haven't got the answers, I'm going to say nothing to people. But if you think about it on a scale, you don't have to go the full um, Oprah Winfrey, um, Oprah Winfrey with, with, with your employees. You could start small. You could start by just saying, do you know what, across the next week, I'm just going to practice saying, I don't know. What do you think? That's a really vulnerable thing for a leader to say, um, because lots of people look to leaders for, for the answers, particularly chief executives, the number of chief executives I work with who feel sort of in a bind because people look to them for the answer. And it creates this sort of trap where they then feel they have to tell people what the answer is, which means they've got to figure it out first without consulting or guiding with anybody because it's really lonely being a chief executive. Um, whereas if they were to just, give themselves permission to say I don't know what do you think you know once a day to somebody that's an that's a, that's a small nudge towards vulnerability um 
you know, another small nudge towards vulnerability might be saying, I'm worried about this. This worries me. And I'm worried is something you you don't often hear leaders say unless it's got some kind of an edge of, of, of aggression or assertion or anger attached to it. But just being able to say, you know, I'm, I'm really worried about this. Um, it's, it's bothering me. And I, I, I want to understand if it's, if it's bothering you too. That's a very vulnerable way of expressing yourself. And they're just small, small things. No one's asking you to go on LinkedIn and share your, your life history and cry on a video. No one's asking you to do that. In fact, please don't do that is what I'm saying. I'm saying do it in the small act. Have I gone up on a tangent again? <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm liking it. It's always good to get practical advice. And I mean, straight away, it's almost those two things you could write in a little notebook or in your phone mm-hmm. today and remind yourself to go and say it once a day, as you say, which I think is really, really helpful. What about some practice when it's, it's not working, when it doesn't happen? What sorts of things have you seen? Oh, crikey. I mean, we see it all over the place. Most of the issues that we have, um, systemic issues that, that we have in organisations, big cultural issues, or we talk about toxic cultures, actually, at some point you will see an issue of, of invulnerability, which is the opposite of, of, of vulnerability. Um, and actually, I mean, kind of, you know, the 90s management guru, Patrick Lencioni, talked about vulnerability as being the kind of the foundation of a high-performing team. Um, and some of that still rings true. Now, so invulnerability in teams, and a great example is the Met Police um, and the leadership saying we do not have institutional problems. We haven't got institutional sexism. We haven't got institutional racism. Great example of invulnerability in leadership is the um, the head of the Spanish Football Association <laughs> over the past <laughs> few weeks. Brilliant example of, of invulnerability. Um, and actually, similarly, some examples where they're shifting a little bit of the, of the people around him as well. So, you know, you, you've made a mistake. You've been seen to have made a mistake. At the very least, the person to whom, you know, is, is also involved in this, in, 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 in this situation has said, I did not like that. I, I was not happy. And rather than, rather than go, sorry, let me listen to you at the very least, or I'm sorry, I made a mistake, or you're right I apologize you know the bare minimum what actually happened was a doubling down um, and you see that in a lot of uh, particularly in quite um, quite masculine uh, traditionally masculine industries so it's not a surprise that we've seen it in the police and we've seen it in um, in uh, in the in the football world but you know in a way and it's sensitive to talk about it now, but some of the things that happened around the most recent scandal in the NHS with, um, with Lucy Letby, there were elements of invulnerability and an inability to think, might there be a bit of a different perspective here? Might I be missing something? Might I have um, incomplete information? Might I have read this wrong? All of those questions that you ask yourself are, are vulnerable questions. And then it takes, visible then of the vulnerability to go out and say, I'm not sure I understand this fully. I'd like to understand it more. I might have read this wrong. I'd like to explore further. Could you tell me your perspective? Um, actually, it, would, it takes a huge amount of vulnerability to navigate a situation like that, a hugely complex one where you've got um, sensitivities and, um, and responsibilities, duties of care 
and conflicting parties. So those are kind of just three examples off the top of my head where vulnerability um, was probably lacking and a little bit more of it would have helped resolve that situation sooner. You know, the world is, is the and, and, you know, very high profile situations. People queuing up to um, criticise and, and so mm. on. I think often people end up defending people because of that. So they're, they're mm. constantly hide their ass <laughs> or whatever expression yeah. um, rather than, uh, you know, that vulnerability piece. So what, how we to feel comfortable to do that whilst also protecting the business and themselves. Yeah. Need to be, so look, unless they're I mean, making I, a big mistake. <laughs> right. And I, so I think, it, I think the answer is it depends. Right. I think um, what you very often see where a business is in crisis and it's a, it's a reputational crisis sometimes um, is you see kind of the batons going up and, and the lawyers being engaged. Certainly, um, Historically, that's always been the first default is how can we tackle this from a PR and legal perspective and vulnerability um, comes to play where you say, actually, there is as big a risk to the trust that we have with our people and our customers if we don't look at ways in which we could we could do better. I actually think that um, the Met Police are making some moves towards it. Um, in saying, you know, we haven't got this right. We want to do better by this. This is something that we would like to resolve. So um, without, I don't want to be a cop out and say it depends, but it does sort of depend on the on what kind of situation we're talking about. But let's talk about a fairly low stakes situation where you're not talking about the implosion of the organization or, you know, massive external reputational risk. It will always pay you dividends to, as a leader to say, help me understand, I might have got this wrong. Let's work it out together. I'm not sure, what do you think? Those phrases are phrases that, you know, I think we underuse and people nine times out of 10 will respect and respond to those. If we're then talking about something that is more high stakes, I think the biggest thing you can do, and actually we, we talked about this, um, in, our, in the talks with Joe um, when we were working through the pandemic, particularly because, as Brene says, you know, vulnerability rears its head when we're looking at risk and uncertainty. So inevitably, if you've got a, an organisational crisis, those things are going to be coming hand in hand. And you're probably also going to have some elements of emotional exposure. So given that people might be gunning for you, certainly if you were, you know, if you're on social media and they're calling, calling for your head, is going to already feel really exposing and the natural instinct is to kind of shut down. I think the first thing to do is to, it's that sense check of, am I reacting in a defensive way? And is that preventing me from learning something? So a really nice way to be vulnerable is to be curious. So rather than just, ouch, that hurt. <laughs> what is it that hurts about that? Or, oof, what went wrong? there and what was the part that I played in that and very often leaders do not even want to look at that so I'm not even asking you to talk to somebody else about it I'm just asking you as a leader to a moment of self-reflection maybe with a coach maybe with a trusted peer maybe with you know somebody in your team that you uh, who you know is going to be honest but kind 
So I think surround yourself with some honest but kind people and do a moment of self-reflection. Actually, what am I missing? What are the pieces that I don't have here? What might I done inadvertently? And be willing to learn through through that. And then there will inevitably be some signposts as to the things that you can do that are not going to um, create even more risk for the business. But it's sort of the nature of um, it's just sort of the nature of organisations today, particularly those um, in the public spotlight and the nature of public discourse, that there will always be somebody looking to create a kind of a firestorm out of it. And the best way to settle that firestorm down is to lean into solving the problem in a collaborative way. And that requires vulnerability. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it could go either way, any situation, couldn't it? Given yeah. you know the way that uh, and the media are and everything else, so in in some ways I suppose you end up the more you can this and trust this as being the way to be. Yeah. When you are with it, the more it will work for you rather than it. Um, yes, that's it, it, it's about it and testing it. Yeah. And I would say that the From best... From it to sort of keep going with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and the best um, the best kind of com inner compass for yourself is just to notice those moments when you might be feeling defensive or angry or anxious internally and just thinking, why is that? What am I afraid of here? You know, am I afraid of... Um, not having the answers and being seen to be falling falling short. Sometimes um, having inner vulnerability goes hand in hand with something like imposter syndrome. So it's not unusual that I've worked with leaders who are hanging on to past failures and beating themselves up and they're saying, I'm never, ever going to look weak again. You know, it's not safe to show that I don't know, that I can't do something because in the past, failure hasn't, has, has, has meant I've suffered a, a you know, a personal hit. So um, I think it's worth just doing a little bit of kind of self-reflection on what are the drivers of this inner vulnerability with me? What is it I'm afraid will happen if I say I don't know, if I listen to some difficult feedback and self-reflect, if I ask for some feedback on my style, if I bring more voices into the conversation that might disagree with me, what is it I'm worried will happen then? Um, and that question might uncover you know the things that you as an individual leader might want to do a little bit of work on before you then feel comfortable exercising that vulnerability and as I say those small steps Joe are the ones to, to take just just reframing the way you respond to a typical situation day in day out with a different response it's just going to show you actually it's safe it's safe to do this yeah. So just to recap, what, what were those again? Use. So the, an obvious one, a really easy one that all leaders could use tomorrow because particularly senior leaders, when somebody comes to them with the answer, and it's a great way to demonstrate your coaching chops is to say, I don't know or I'm not sure, what do you think? So what you're doing there is you're saying, I've got all the answers and you're also creating some employee voice and engaging someone and helping solve a problem. So that's that's one. Um so another another great one is um, 
Donald Rumsfeld used, used this, and he's not someone I always refer to as a leadership icon, but he talks about known knowns, unknown knowns, and unknown unknowns when he was talking about going into war. And actually, it's a really nice way of framing ambiguity in business to say, look, here's what I do know and I can tell you. Here's the stuff that I know we're going to need to figure out together and how we're going to do it. And let's be aware that there might be some things that we don't yet know we don't know. And I'm going to acknowledge that. And here's how we're going to address mm -hmm. it when they come up. And that's a way of being vulnerable, but with some structure so people can go, oh, I trust that you understand this and you're being honest enough that you haven't got all the answers. So those two things can be a starter for 10. The other, the third one was just saying, Brilliant. this worries me. Lovely. Excellent, Lorna. Expected. <laughs> it's been really interesting talking about this and, um, and great that we've been able to give some really practical is, as you say, that people can actually apply tomorrow. So thank you for, for your time today. You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Have a wonderful rest of your day. So next week, we've got Jane Van Zyl, who's CEO of Working Families, and she's back with Joe Moffat talking about an organisation. Engage for Success Radio. Raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work.